0: Thank you for listening to The Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at TLCKCMO.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called for her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And so she said, as the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that I may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day of the Lord sends rain upon the earth. So she went her way, and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Can you say amen to the word of the Lord? Amen. Amen. One more time. Can we just pray to God who supplies and provides our needs according to his riches and glory. Father, we call upon you, Lord. May the same spirit and the same miracle that was poured out in this time fall upon us, Lord. Lord, some of us need a good blessing. Some of us need a break. And not as the world describes it or the world benefits from, but Lord, our blessings come totally from you and totally through faith and totally through your spirit. I pray, Lord, for miracles to come. Now, in Jesus' name, I pray. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. God bless you, please be seated. Our Lord is a way maker. And sometimes it seems like he is delaying his way making. But in all reality, God waits at the right moment and at the right time in the most terrible of circumstances. Not because he is lazy, Or not because he doesn't have a plan of action, but he designs his miracles so that when they are done, nobody can say that this was a coincidence. So that nobody can say it happened by random chance or, well, it was my own doing. But rather, God waits during the time of famine. He waits during the time of pestilence. He waits until the very last moment. So that everyone can look and say, if it had not been for the handiwork of the Lord, this could have never been accomplished. Brother Larmy was talking about it during worship service. How sometimes we feel like we're a little bit delayed. How sometimes it feels like plans fell apart. Only until you, when you get up to where you thought you would be or where you were supposed to be, and you find out there's a car accident. Could it be that perhaps God was just looking out for you? Could it be that he helped you maybe forget about what you were going to do or perhaps he shut off your alarm clock or did something? Sometimes the very trouble that we are in is the very thing that is stopping us from an accident. I can tell you this from personal experience. I remember I was on my way about five years ago to Missouri District Camp Meeting in St. Louis. And I got up early in the morning to drive to the morning service. It was about 5 a.m. and I pulled up to the gas station to put fuel in my car. I I, uh, got up to the gas pump. I put my credit card in, my zip code in, and normally I would take the gas pump out, press the button, fill the car up, take the pump out, put it in, put the cap back on, and go. But instead of doing all of that, I went ahead and just put my credit card in, my zip code in, and just my deep subconscious took over. Instead of filling up my car, I got in my almost empty car and began to drive off. I got about 15 minutes down the road and I looked down at that little orange light came on. You need fuel. And I'm like, I never filled up my car. Oh my goodness. So I drove back around thinking somebody already took the gas that I paid for. Somebody already took it and I won't file charges. That's technically not stealing. I left it in the wide open, you know. Amen. But I began to pray, God, don't let anybody steal the fuel. Don't let anybody take it. Let it just be there, Lord. And sure enough, I pulled right up and it was there still waiting on me. I mean, it had been there for almost 30 minutes, filled up my car, got in the car a little bit late. As I was driving, I came upon a horrible collision on 70 eastbound. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I made you forget to spare your life. Because God knows the beginning and he knows the ending. And if his hand is upon your life, sometimes he'll guide you in certain ways that you never thought before. How many of y'all know that it still is true that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose? A woman by the name of Jezebel, a princess, of Zidon, a wicked woman from a wicked nation, a wicked people, married into the kingly family of Israel. She called herself a prophetess, but really she was a false prophetess. A prophet is not someone or a woman who simply foretells the future, but someone who simply tells and lives the truth. And everything that she said and did was a lie, but through trickery, Through evil schemes and influence, she brought a new level of wickedness to the land of Israel that they had never seen before. It seemed like everybody was forgetting about the true God of Israel that brought them out of Egypt. And instead of worshiping him in spirit and in truth, they began to build idols to the Zidonian gods. They began to dress like the Zidonians and to talk like the Zidonians and perform sinful rituals for the Zidonian gods. But the Lord called a man from the countryside, a Tishbite by the name of Elijah, and he sent him into the court of the king. And he said something that no other prophet had ever said before. He said, at my word, for the word of the Lord is within me, within my word, my voice, it shall not rain. It shall not rain until you and all of Israel repent. Many laughed. Probably many smirked because it was a good and prosperous times. Agriculture was great. Hunting was great. Israel prospered, and they were giving credit to the Zidonian gods for it. But Elijah didn't come to judge the people. I'm not even so sure he came to convict the people, but one thing he did for sure was he came to get Israel's attention. And that is the way the life church is. This is a judgment-free zone, and it has been ever since the 1950s, but you better believe this is not a warning-free zone. Oh, you better believe we will preach and teach what God intends to do, how God intends to judge, how God intends to do those things, and it's not out of hate, it's not out of spite, but it is out of love. Let me tell you what. I thank God for times when I wasn't so much living so right spiritually that the Lord sent a little trouble my way just to get my attention. I had to go without for a little bit just to get my attention. But you better believe that when I repented and I turned back to God, the Lord started blessing me again. The Lord started providing for me again as a sign to me that if I will trust and live for this God, he'll take care of me. Praise the Lord. God provided for Elijah in unusual circumstances. He provided for him in a little brook that hardly anybody knew about, and he sent ravens, he sent birds to bring him food. And not only that, but he sent angels even to provide for him. And in this story that we're focusing on specifically this morning, the Lord didn't send a king to provide for him. He didn't send some nobleman or some rich person but a person of the lowest status at that time in the land of Israel, it was a widow woman. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine God telling you, during a horrible time, I'm going to use a widow woman to provide for you? He did that for Elijah and for Israel to know that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by God's spirit. Widows back then struggled. Widows back then, it was hard for them to make it. People took advantage of widows back then but the Lord said don't worry about all of that for I have commanded her to provide for you isn't it something that God had already been dealing with this widow woman about a prophet that would come to her and sure enough he is sitting there at the gates and she passes by picking up a few sticks and he says bring me a little cup of water and out of respect for a man that seemed to be noble at the gates, she did so and he said would you also make me a small little cake And she said, sir, you see these sticks that I have picked up? This is my kindling for the fire. I only have a little bit of flour in my bin and just a tiny little bit of oil to make some bread, a little bit of cake. And it's for my son and I, and that's all we have, and there's nothing left. We're going to eat that, and that'll be the last meal we eat, for after that we are going to starve to death. I'm not so sure this was doubt speaking. I'm not so sure this was unbelief, but really she was just speaking reality at that moment in time she hadn't lost her mind yet but instead she was in touch with reality and had made her peace with it and you notice she doesn't curse God and she doesn't complain but rather she just accepts whatever life throws at her and it is for what it is but Elijah came there with a word from the Lord and knowing that God had already dealt with her And he knew that when you give to God, you don't give to God second, third, fourth, fifth, or last, but instead you give what God said to give first. And he said, why don't you give me a small cake? Not huge, nothing elaborate, but just simply small, almost like 10% of the cake you made. Bring that to me first. And he said, if you do that, according to the word of the Lord that I speak, your flour will never be used up. And your oil will never dry up. What else does she got to lose? She was Zidonian. Her Zidonian God certainly hadn't provided for her. Her Zidonian God certainly hadn't helped out her situation. Why not try out the God of Israel? And sure enough, that last meal that she knew her and her son would ever have during that hard time, she took a small portion of that cake and came and gave it to the man of God and he ate. She came back to her kitchen. Her and her son ate up that last cake. And she thought, I'm going to check out and test the word of the Lord. And she went over there to that little bin of flour and opened it up. What was once empty was now full again. She went over to that jar of oil that was at once empty, looked at it, and it was miraculously full again. That next morning she got up and did the same thing. She made a cake for breakfast she went back there for lunch and what was empty was now full she went back there for dinner what was empty was now full and the bible says according to the word of the lord because she gave to god's man first she never ran out of flour and she never ran out of oil can i tell you this if you will put god first that's how you get the word of the lord fulfilled in your life somebody praise the lord for it right now hallelujah It's not raining. No rain means no grain. No rain means no wet soil. You don't have any wet soil. That means no olive oil. She saw no hope for her life. She saw no hope for her son's future. She knew that they would have to die the worst death somebody could die, and that is the death of starvation, But because God sent a man to her and said, do not fear, but only believe, she did not argue, she did not complain, but trusted, and God spared her life and her son's life. Praise God. Giving to God first, as we're focusing on this Finishing Strong Sunday, when you give to God what belongs to him first, you are demonstrating to God and to yourself that you trust him with what is most important. Giving to God what is first and what he has spoken to give is a fulfillment of your obedience to his commandment. You think about this. For those of you that read the Bible, have you ever read a verse where God says, keep it, withhold it for yourself, be selfish and be greedy with everything God has given to you? Oh, no, it's quite the opposite. But it says God will bless the soul that gives. God will love the soul that cheerfully gives. If you think about that, that's easy to do and easy to say when times are good, right? But during time of famine, during a time when there's nothing to eat, nothing to drink, does God say, oh, it's time to not give anymore. It's time to be selfish, Oh, quite the opposite. It seems like during the times of the greatest struggle and the greatest pain, that's when God says, if you will sacrifice to me and trust me, I will provide for you far above anybody else. That's what this widow woman had to do. She had to trust a man she did not know from a land she was unfamiliar with. Matter of fact, enemies for a long time. A man who worshiped a God, she was unfamiliar familiar with. But Elijah, as it were, was the New Testament church back then. And because of her faith and trust in putting God first and providing for the man of God first, not only her food, but a place in her home, God blessed her house and she was able to eat and to survive for many days. You and I right now, it's not as bad back then as it is now. I know some of you have got a roast in your oven right now. Or you got the smoke, or amen, you got the wings in it, and you're ready to celebrate a nice Chiefs uh, preseason win last night. How about that, right? Times are not as bad back then, but let me tell you this, times are still very uncertain. And the signs of the end are approaching us right now. As it were, we right here, the church, our pastor, our leadership, everything that we have here, are like a typology of Elijah, the man of God. For some of us, we don't know if we'll have a job tomorrow. For some of us, we don't know how we're going to provide for our family. For some of us, we're like that widow woman. How are we going to pay our rent? How are we going to pay our mortgage? And God has stirred up the spirit of this church through finishing strong and giving. And through the vision of our pastor, God has said that if you will provide God, If you will provide for your church through your giving first, God will take care of all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Some of us put money in that we thought we didn't have. Some of us gave commitments that we thought we could never keep. We put in our rent money. We put in our vacation money. Some of us, we put in, we emptied out our investments. Some of us sold property. Some of us did this and that, not knowing exactly what to do, but God supernaturally provided everything, and we have not lacked. Praise the Lord. For many of us in here, we thought our flour bin would go empty. We thought our oil jar would go empty. But we go back to our accounts. We go back to our banks and we look and we realize, oh my goodness, where did this money come from? I thought I would be in the red, but I'm in the black. How in the world did that happen? Let me tell you how that happened. God provided for his people. I've... I thank God for every person that has come forward with a testimony to give God the glory. Some of them remain anonymous. They're too personable. But can I tell you this, that there are people in this church that have come up to me and said, Brother Justin, I get my paycheck and I give God my tithe and I give God my finishing strong and I give God the missions and I look at the amount and I know I don't have enough to pay all of my bills, but I just go ahead and pay it and miraculously I don't know how it happens but at the end of the month, every bill is paid, my refrigerator is full, my cupboard is full I don't know how to explain it. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. The unexplainable is a sign of faith. The unexplainable is a sign of God. It's Him providing for us amen, when it seemed like there was no way, can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Some families have told me my son, my daughter wanted to have this and I didn't have the money to pay for it. But supernaturally, God provided a way for me, amen, to be able to pay for my children's tutoring, for them to be involved in extracurricular things, for me to provide clothing for them and toys for them, things I never could have provided for them before. But through giving and sacrificing, God not only took care of my needs, but he took care of my wants. He took care of things, amen, to bring joy into my home. That's the spirit of a believing widow woman. Praise God. I remember when I was a Bible college student and I went out and applied for a new job that opened up there in St. Louis. It may or may not have the word cheesecake in it and it may or may not have the word factory in it and I may or may not have had to war all white. God supernaturally gave me that job. In that first year, I was faithful in my tithing and in my offering, and it was amazing. It seemed like the best clientele, the best restaurant patrons would come in and tip me better than anybody else. And I don't think it was because of my good looks or my good waiting, but it was simply the favor of the Lord. We were instructed as students to pay our tithe to the school, and I did that first year, that entire fall and spring semester semester. But when I came home, something in me just said, you know what, don't pay your tithe. Instead, just save your tithe. And I would take all of my cash tips and set aside 10% and I put them in a little jar, literally a jar. And that entire summer, I worked at the Cheesecake Factory here on the plaza and waited on some of you, by the way. Thank you for all your good tips back then in 2003. And the school year came and I Packed up my stuff and came back to Bible College in St. Louis. And I went to the, the restaurant there expecting my job back. And when I came there, the manager came out and said, Justin, I am so sorry, but we are awful. We have no more positions available. I'm so sorry you cannot work here. And I remember getting in my car, starting to tear up, thinking, what am I going to do? I have a new car that I bought to pay for. I've got school to pay for. I've got this to pay for. I've got that to pay for. What am I going to do? I came back to school and began to pray, and not knowing what I was going to do. I thought I'm going to have to get back on the job market. The very next day was the first day of chapel service that semester. and Our school president, Brother Dugas, got up and he began to, I thought he was going to preach the house down about preaching, about Bible, about having a revival and saving the world, but instead he got up and preached spiritual disciplines. He got up there and taught us you need to be praying every day and read your Bible every day and you need to start paying tithe. And he like ventured off in the Holy Ghost and started talking about tithing. And I'm sitting back there getting under conviction. You see, I've been withholding my tithes. I thought God would understand, you know, if I get a flat tire and I got to buy all new tires, pay my tithe for that, you know. You know, God would understand if I had a medical emergency, God would understand and I would just save my tithes. But oh no, I got a conviction there and I felt the word of the Lord come to me in that moment. And God said, if you will pay your tithe, if you will take care of me first... I'll take care of you. And I mean, the message wasn't even over yet. I got up and walked back to my room, got all that cash, put it in an envelope and marked tithe. I should have wrote, I'm sorry, please forgive me. (laughs) I stuck it in that slot and I went up and prayed and asked God forgiveness. We went and had lunch. I went back to my dorm room and I looked on my phone and there were about five to seven voice messages from the restaurant saying, Justin, We had a bunch of people quit. We need you here now. Get your uniform and get down here. No way that is a coincidence, but it was a sign to me that if I would take care of what God said take care of, he would take care of me. Praise the Lord. The prophet there didn't just ask for 10%. The flour and oil was like life support back then for that widow and her son. It was more than 10%. It was like 100% and more. He's saying that if you will care more for my survival than yours, you will never go without. And God is calling upon this church in the remainder of this campaign season Will we not only accept God, but accept the idea and the vision that God has given to us. And that is to continue to give What he said to give to finishing strong. For to love God is to love his idea. To love God is to love his vision. And I tell you this, I've been studying in my free time worship, wanting to know all about it. It's amazing. Everything that we do here at the Life Church, all of the hand clapping, all of the hand raising, all of those things, it's all in the Bible. It's not just a life church thing, it's not just an apostolic Pentecostal thing, but it is a Bible thing. Those people back then knew how to get the attention of God through the raising of the hands and through singing and through singing and through dancing and bowing down and praying and pouring out your heart to him as we do here. That's why we have something that a lot of people don't It's because we worship properly the way the Lord wants to worship, praise God. Can I tell you this? You look in your Bible. You study worship. The first place worship is written, it is not around the temple when David and all of the choirs would play their harps and sing. Oh, no. But it's in the book of Genesis when God speaks to Abraham and he says, Take your son, the son that you love, and offer him unto me. And the Bible says that Abraham took his son up to Mount Moriah to worship. You want to know what the true foundational aspect of worship in. It's not the raising of the hands or the singing. Oh, no, it is sacrifice. It is giving to God what he wants. Never think for one minute that during offering that God checks out. Oh, no. I know God moves, amen, during the worship service. God moves during the preaching. God moves tremendously during the altar call, and He moves during baptism, and He, he even moves out there in the narthex when we fellowship, and even out in the parking lot and on the way home. But I think sometimes we think that during offering, God doesn't move, that God kind of checks out, and God really doesn't care, and really, God doesn't pay attention. Oh, let me tell you what. You read it in the New Testament all of the rich came in, and they poured out their money to be seen of men. And there came in a little widow woman, probably just had her house dev, uh, devoured by some of those Pharisees who were given as a pretense to look holy. And all she had was two mites, like just two cents to her name. She didn't just give 10%, 50 she gave 100% to the Lord. And Jesus said to all his followers, as all the people gave, don't think that God just shuts his eyes while you give. Oh, no, he watches what you do. He watches what you give. He watches your faith. He watches what you sacrifice. And he said to his disciples, you see all these rich, all of them? This what a woman gave more than all of them because she gave during hard times. She gave during poverty times. She gave when things weren't good and she trusted God. That's who God is going to bless. That is who God is going to provide for. And for those of us during this pandemic not knowing exactly how when or why God would provide, we trust him and gave him what he said give and god amen has blessed us some of you your miracle hasn't arrived yet notice this finishing strong let me hear you say finishing strong it doesn't say beginning strong or in the middle strong but I had a witness a few months ago and I felt it this morning. And I feel it right now. The greatest miracles of finishing strong were not in 2019, not in 2020, and not even so much in 2021, but they're coming in 2022 and 2023 and 2024. It's gonna be at the end of this thing that the greatest blessings and the greatest revival and the greatest provision that God is gonna do. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? The musicians would please come. Pastor Gleason tells a story when he was a young pastor that there was a faithful lady in the church, a widow. And she was faithful with her church attendance, with her prayers, and her giving. You can imagine she really did not have a lot. And she came to my dad, her pastor. This is in the old days of Wisconsin. She came to him. She said, Pastor, my washer just went out. And I tried to have it fixed, but the mechanic couldn't fix it. I tried to have this person, that person try to fix it. Nobody could fix it. And I can't afford a new washer. And I don't want to have to hand wash and hang out my laundry in my backyard. I don't want to have to do that. Pastor, would you please come and pray for my washer? I can't afford a new one. And Pastor probably honestly thought, that's a little ridiculous, never heard that one before, but sure enough, we will. We'll come over and pray. And Pastor walked into that room, and that little widow had a bottle of oil, and she said, can you anoint my washer? (laughs) And Pastor did, and they laid hands on that broke down old washer, and they began to pray, God, you see a need here. Lord, there needs to be a miracle worked here. We can't afford a new washer. And there's faith here. And we're doing what you said to pray and believe and be loyal and be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor walked out. The little woman woman took her laundry, put it in that washer, closed the lid, turned it to full cycle, and pressed power. Now, all week that thing wasn't running. It was smoking. It stunk. It didn't work. Everybody tried to fix it. The best mechanics in town, and nobody could fix it but just a little bit of prayer and a little bit of faith. When she pushed that button, that red light came on and that washer began to run and it ran for many, many beers. There is no miracle, no need too small for God. But when you have a need and you are loyal and faithful, I don't care if it's a washer, I don't care if it's a car, I don't care if it's this or that, you lay hands upon it and you believe God to work it out as a testimony for the power of God. Hallelujah! For those of you that have been here for a while, you remember building for World Impact, our campaign to move from 720 South Richmond to here to 1040 View High Drive. Those that had faith for building for World Impact, God miraculously in the 90s and 2000s blessed our careers. He blessed our businesses. He blessed our education. Many marriages who seemed like they weren't going to make it, God supernaturally healed them and families and restored peace to many homes. Children and grandchildren, we thought they would never pray through. They came back to the house of the Lord and they prayed through. We saw blessings and peace unlike none other. Here in this time, in Finishing Strong, we are not in unfamiliar territory. Our landscape of our campaign is very familiar to what we have been through in the past. And Pastor got up and prophesied in the beginning of this campaign that if the Life Church will do what it did 20 years ago in our building for world impact, now here in Finishing Strong, we pretty much got it in our back pocket. Praise God. During building for world impact, the Lord moved upon Bishop Gleason to pray over Kansas City in a way he had never done before. In 2002, he walked all three, and all three of the major highways here in Kansas City, starting from downtown, walked to a destination. He called me and some of you to come and pick him up. And for three days, as Jonah prayed and prophesied to Nineveh, Pastor Gleason did the same thing here in Kansas City. For three whole days, he walked this city. Praise God. It was not soon after that, in 2002, we started noticing a major, major revival here in the Life Church. After that, we were averaging about 250. It was after that God increased this church to 30% in attendance. And not only that, but a 30% in financial increase. Because we had a pastor that would pray and weep and walk through this city. That's revival. That's trusting God. Praise the Lord. Our current campus right here, built upon this mountain, it bears witness to the plan and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has answered our major four prayers during our relocation. We asked God for at least 10 acres under $400,000. God gave it to us. We asked for a property that would be highly visible. God gave it to us, something that would be easily acceptable. And a Kansas City address God gave it to us. He also fulfilled four great prophetic words concerning this property. The man of God said back in the 90s, he said, I see a mountain and I see many cars. That was Charles Mahaney. And sure enough, this church sits on the highest location in Kansas City, amen. And thousands of cars pass by every day on View High Drive, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord. Another man of God said, your new property, I see tall, strong, steel Beams, and we have that out there those electrical transmitters right here on our property, fulfilling the word of the Lord. The other man of God said, I see an elevator company and 2.3 million dollars. This was about 98, 99. And after a few years, in the fall of 2013, after we had occupied this property, some of our teenage boys were out praying, playing on, yeah, they were praying, playing out there on the, uh, on the property back there in the woods, and they came across some old elevator shafts. And when Pastor heard that, he went and took a shovel out there and started digging, and guess what? He found $2.3 million, no? this kidding. We actually added up all that had been given from the time we began the campaign to that time, and you know what it was? Exactly $2.3 million. That's the word of the Lord. I remember the first year here in this building, pastor got up and prophesied and I wrote it down. He said, you ask us, where will the people come from to fill this auditorium? I tell you, we won't know where they came from. They will come from everywhere. And it happened. Soon we started seeing people coming. We had no idea where they came from, how they knew us, how they were connected. But God stirred up the hearts as he did a Syrophoenician widow woman to come to the live church. And the Lord has made many saints since that time. Can you say amen? During the time when we were homeless, we rented from a church gymnasium that we nicknamed the horse barn, because that's how it felt having church in there. Isn't it something that we went from renting from a horse barn to being on this property that we now own on our North 40, an old horse barn? No way. That is a coincidence. But it's a sign that the hand of the Lord has been upon this local church since the founding in 1955 to this day, God continues to show himself strong. God has done what he said he would do. He has answered his pr- our prayers. He has shown his miraculous power. This campaign, finishing strong, it will be accomplished through the presented offerings of the people. The provision of God, prayers answered, and the fulfillment of prophecy. Prophecy. During this 36-month giving season, the windows of heaven, they have opened upon God's people and he has poured out his blessings upon us. You will continue to hear testimonies of job promotions, business expansion, investment increase, ownership of new property, the sale of property, miraculously debts paid, miraculously legal cases won, and various forms of of financial miracles. But not only that, we will see healings, miracles of healing. Broken hearts will be mended. And most importantly, disciples will be made. Can you say amen? Let's all stand. Maybe you're thinking today, Justin Gleason, how can I have faith during this time? There's corruption everywhere. Rumors of war everywhere. Pain everywhere. Uncertainty everywhere. How are we going to have faith? Believe your Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. It's going to take faith for this children's wing expansion because we can't see it. It's going to take faith for this event center to be completed because we can't see it. It's going to take faith, amen, for stadium seating because we can't see it. It's going to take great faith to pay off this mortgage because we can't see it. Secondly, trust God. Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Trust God. Number three, finally, have confidence in God. Philippians chapter one, he who has begun a good work will complete it until the very end. What God started years ago, he is going to complete it till the very end. I feel like there's just some families here today. God's been dealing with you about your commitment. And God's been dealing with you perhaps about even committing even more. The number one question I get from people about spiritual things is, Brother Justin, how do I hear the voice of God? It's simple. The Bible says if you have an ear, hear it. It's not so much can you hear, but will you hear it? The voice of God first came to me in regards to giving. It started coming to me in regarding to giving. Some of the most supernatural things that ever happened to me were done through giving. I remember after my wife and I were... Newly wed, it was during a mission service here at the Life Church, and Sister Anna and I were standing here at the altar, and the missionary preached a powerful message, and can I be honest with you, I wasn't really in the mood to give. You know, when you're newly married, you know, trying to save for a house and stuff like that, you know, things are tough, right? But the word of the Lord came to me and said, give this amount. I had never in my life given to missions in a one-time event in the four digits, never in my life. I was in my late 20s, never had done it. And the word of the Lord was so clear and so powerful, I got out my pen and paper and I wrote down the number and I put it in my pocket. And I leaned over to my wife and I said, Honey, the Lord just spoke to me an amount to give. I feel we need to give it. And she said to me, squeezing my hand, she said, The Lord just spoke to me an amount. And I said, What was it? And she told me the amount. And I pulled out that piece of paper and it was the very same amount that God said to me. I mean, we were saving for a house. Saving for a car, saving for vacations, trying to have fun, you know, before the kids get here. But God said in the moment where it didn't feel convenient, didn't feel right, I want you to sacrifice for me. And I wrote out that check. I didn't complain. I wasn't reluctant about it, but I gave it. saw a lot of money that I had saved up. Go, amen, to the kingdom of God. But can I tell you this after I gave a peace washed over me? And miraculously within one year from then we closed on a very first house, a supernatural miracle from God, because I trusted in him and gave to what he said give. Where are you at, widow woman? What do you feel like is just for you and your family? But God is saying, give it to me first. Where are you at, Abraham, the son that you love the most? What is God saying to give? It may seem like an impossible offering. It may seem like such a great sacrifice. Why would God want it? Oh, because an impossible blessing is on the other side of giving it. An impossible miracle is on the other side of giving it. God is calling the young and he's calling the middle age and he's calling the old to sacrifice during this time of pandemic because on the other side of it is great blessings and great provision. God is not a God of take, take, take. Oh, no, he is a God of trust that if you will give to him, he will give to you 100 fold. Everything pressed down, everything shaken together, everything overflowing It's time for those, amen, who have got their hand closed to open it up. It's time for some of us, amen, who have had our wallet closed to begin to open it up for God, to give God the first, to give God your best, amen. Everything that you pay for on this earth is going to perish, but when you give to what is God's own, mark it down, you're storing up for treasures that are in heaven. I want my treasure to be big in heaven. That's where I'm going to spend eternity. My time down here is so temporal. I want to invest in what is eternal. Hey man, won't you keep on giving? Won't you keep on sacrificing? Won't you keep on trusting God for it? Hey man, when you believe in Finishing Strong, you're believing in children's ministry. When you believe in Finishing Strong, you're believing in fellowship. When you believe in Finishing Strong, you're believing in future disciples. When you believe in Finishing Strong, you're you're Believing in a debt free church. I want to give to that. I want to be a part of that. There's anybody in here? Amen. You've got the momentum, amen, to finish strong. I invite you to come to this altar and just say, Lord, you've got my all. You've got my all. You've got my trust. Amen. You've got all of me. Not only, Lord, my mind, my heart, my body, my soul, and my strength, but my wallet right now. Amen. When a woman where are you at, come down here and pray right now. Get a hold of God for your family. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't know what this pandemic, what this world may do. But one thing is for certain, we're not going to make it without God. Amen, the spirit of Elijah has come to the household today. The spirit of Elijah has come to your family today. Will you trust God? Will you give to God first? Amen, will you trust God today? Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, let the weak say I'm strong this morning. Let those who feel like they're not gonna make it say I am gonna make it with the hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. Pray, 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 pray. You want to see a miracle? It's going to happen. You want to see the handiwork of the Lord? It's going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.